When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's it, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 119. Reach is the internet's currency. I'm Matt, that's Mike, and this week we'll be discussing content, social media, and you. And then in the web news, a big old tech roundup. Now, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go and check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app, join us on uh, our Discord server, uh, or just share this, of course, with your friends. And now it's time for our weekly pain points. So, Mike, please, sir. Take it away. Okay. Uh, not really full-on pain point, but did require some work. We got a couple of bunnies recently, and uh, we had to bunny-proof the apartment because they are they chew on everything. Um, luckily, these bunnies actually don't chew that much. So we're lucky they're not going to destroy our furniture. But, uh, yeah, they're, we adopted them from a pet rescue. Uh, they were given up by some grandma that decided that she just can't take care of bunnies, and her grandchildren also don't care about the bunnies. So... She's like, ah, I'm not going to take care of them. Give them to the pet rescue. We're like, nope, we'll take them. And now we have two bunnies. So that's uh, that's going to be fun. So they're free you? range. Mm-hmm. They're free range bunnies. They just kind of rip around the apartment. They're not, not in a cage. So they are. In, we have an enclosure for them, but we leave it open until we go to bed or if we leave. But the enclosure is okay. pretty big. It takes up like a good chunk of the apartment. Um, and so they can stay in there at night and whenever we're not in the apartment so that they're not you know, just out roaming. And we also have bunny proof, like even the larger area just to make sure that when they are out, we don't have to keep our like full on Hawkeyes on them. Right. Right. Fair enough. All right. Well, cool. Um, mine is uh, more work. Well, it literally is just work based. So response, uh, responsibility lines. So Mike and I had a pretty lengthy discussion, um, about a project that we're currently working on and it's just, uh, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but just some um, responsibility lines have been blurred. Just some stuff where I'm overstepping, the other, like some other people are overstepping. Uh, not intentionally, obviously. It's like we're, both of us are overstepping in, in, in ways. But it's uh, time to just straight up document it. So this is uh, the reason why I mentioned this at all is because it's critical if you, the listener, are doing any sort of project and you find yourself overstepping uh, into whatever the client should be doing. Or if you, or if they're overstepping onto you, it's sort of that might be an indicator of a time in which you're like, that's it. I got to write this down because a lot of, in the web development industry, a lot of people are a little more informal depending on what segment you're in and they don't really like signing, you know, actual contracts. It's more or less like a verbal thing, but obviously the verbal thing, you're not going to be talking for four and a half hours about exactly what everyone is doing. So there's going to be some, you know, once the toes start getting stepped on, it's time to start documenting. So we're going to start documenting this particular project a little bit and try to like, clear up who does what and who do who does what and why and those type of things and that's kind of where we're at there but uh, this is a, a a me heavy episode so this this episode was supposed to be just sort of a smorgasbord if uh, if you will of a bunch of different just things that we we're going to cover so we did an episode like this in the past maybe even two i don't remember now but 
it was an episode in which we just sort of talked about a bunch of different things. Like we had some podcast ideas that weren't big enough for a full podcast. So then we decided to just put them all together. That's what this episode was supposed to be. And then uh, the first thing, the first like subtopic, I guess, that I was going to write ended up becoming the full episode. So that's kind of where we're at. So I've, I've divvied this up into three segments. Segment number one is what is the Internet's currency uh, as the uh, title spoils immediately. Then uh, segment number two, mastering the algorithms. And segment number three, content is king. So I'm just going to dive right in here to the first segment. So. If you've ever looked into making money online or you've been looking at how to take your existing business online, then you've no doubt been bombarded at some point with all kinds of tips and tricks that are sure to make you famous or make you more income or whatever else in just a few days, weeks, months, whatever is promised. Now, these tips and tricks are something that have always been present in business in the business world, to be clear, even before the Internet and even furthermore before social media because there was there was no internet then there was internet then there was social media if you're just sort of divvying up these quick help guide people i guess anyway so for example this would come in the form let's say in the 90s before the internet was really a thing uh in the form of get rich quick schemes so just to sort of we're not i'm not blaming the internet for anything here but it you know just because of social media it's all over the place so um in the world of social media you know likes follows, shares, they're they're thrown around like a currency, right? This is where I kept bringing up the currency. They're thrown around like a currency because realistically, in a way, they are. The more people that see your product or products, the more likely you are to generate sales. And this quote-unquote digital currency can be compared to the lesser relevant, although still still relevant to be clear, but lesser relevant quote-unquote currencies of today, like TV ratings and how many people pass by a physical billboard each day. Now, these again, in quotes, currencies, can realistically be boiled down into reach, which is an actual metric that people track, especially on social media and those type of things. And effectively, it's how many potential people your content can reach, right? So the power of the internet, right, comes from the fact that the potential reach is so huge. So for example, just as a just to sort of uh, explain something really quick before I continue the episode. So if I post a picture of there's I don't know a USB key right in front of me, USB stick here. So if I took a picture of this USB stick and I posted it on social media, and Mike saw it, effectively I have a reach of one. Mike saw it, right? And I'm not getting into like how different people might read reach differently, but in general, if Mike saw it and only Mike saw it, my reach is one, right? But the internet's potential reach because it's available on social media, is huge. It's massive. So let's compare it to some old stuff. So physical billboards, right? Physical billboards have a reach of whatever roadway they're facing, and sometimes it's only one direction of traffic, depending on the angle of the billboard and if it's double-sided, whatever, right? So it could be just the roadway and just one direction. And you got to remember, the roadway oftentimes is going to have the same people, especially if it's not along a commuter route. So it's not going to, the reach is not going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow unless the traffic on that road grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Or for whatever reason, the old people move out and then a bunch of people, new people move in. You know what I mean? So the, the reach of that sign is not going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow general in, in general, right? TV, so TV channels and shows and TV movies, whatever, doesn't matter, has a larger reach than a physical billboard, of course, right? Because it's going over the air or whatever. But it is limited it is limited to those that subscribe to a specific channel and those that tune in to a particular time. So TV is still very time-based, right? It's sort of like you want to see the new episode of AMC's The Walking Dead, you got to tune in at this day at this time, 
That's the way it is, right? And that's where you get shows that start getting a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot of ads because people are like, oh my God, AM, like everyone, I haven't watched AMC's The Walking Dead in a really long time, but when I did, it was super, super popular. And so it was sort of like everyone wants to have their ad, their commercial during that time because people are sitting down and watching AMC's The Walking Dead. Therefore, people are going to tune in and more people, their reach is more during that time slot because The Walking Dead is playing and the commercials are being watched by more people, right? But think about this in terms of the internet. So like sort of like that that uh, very simple Instagram example where the with the USB key that I just gave. The internet is virtually unbound, right? So once a user has access to the internet, they have access to pretty much everything online. It's not like a cable plan or whether you're using doing some sort of over-the-air system, like I said, for your TV, where you have to then subscribe to AMC or make sure it's in your package or however it works in your in your particular situation. When you have access to the internet, you have access to it, pretty much. Now, of course, there's some exceptions like firewalls or specific blocks put in place by governments or IT departments, but in general, you buy that, you buy your internet from an ISP and you can go check out TikTok one minute, Instagram another, you could go look at Mike in his Zoom call right now, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? You can just do virtually, you can go everywhere and look at everything. You don't have to be like, man, I really need that. I really need that. Uh, I don't know that really, I need that Bose speaker package. To look at the Bose website. And yes, there's, again, there's exceptions, to every rule, net neutrality, whatever. But in general, the reach is unbound virtually unbound, if you will. Right now, the internet lends itself also, right. To viewing older content on demand. That's, that's critical rather than waiting for it to quote unquote air at a particular time, like TV. So if you want to relive or rewatch some of your favorite videos from one of your favorite YouTubers, as long as the videos are not taken down, you're able to go back and watch them over and over and over again, four in the morning, 1am, 2pm, doesn't matter, anytime, whatever. Now, the internet, funny, funny enough, has started actually emulating TVs as a novelty with things like Instagram stories that disappear live streams that allow users to interact with the creator in real time, like Twitch, and video premieres that showcase new videos on things like YouTube or whatever YouTube calls them. I think they call them premiere or it's a watch party or whatever. Uh, I think watch parties, Facebook and premiere, I think is YouTube. But the, the point is, it's, it's like a YouTube, a YouTuber posts a video and they say like, oh, it's going to premiere at six. So now the hype train's going, everyone's getting all excited. And then people show up to that. And then depending on your service, whatever, you might be able to talk like to the creator live if they're present, or you might be able to chat with other fans live. And the first sort of like premiere of this video is sort of like the very first time it can be watched and people are watching this premiere and they're, uh, you know, they're able to chat just like a live stream type of thing. So that, that experience, like that all encompassing experience that I just said is, is a time limited thing, right? Now, the limited, not on demand parts of the internet. So the stuff I just said, like the stories and stuff, the stuff that is not on demand that will disappear or like has a, the, it's like a one-time shot or you have to be there at six or whatever that fuels some nostalgia, right? It fuels nostalgia for people that used to watch TV a lot or that, you know, still do obviously TVs are still around and the cable still around those type of things, but it also plays a little bit of the game of exclusivity. So how TV used to be. TV used to used to be a thing where it would be like, okay, I want to watch Christmas is coming up. So I want to watch the Grinch. I don't know the original Grinch, Dr. Seuss, the Grinch at Christmas. You either had to get the VHS if it was even available, right? Or you had to watch it at that specific time on TV. So for me as a kid, you know, 90s, people aren't like super tech all over the place. You got VHSs all over. Some people were, but in general, like tech wasn't sort of taking over the world, if you will. 
And so a lot of people would just be like, oh, I want to watch Charlie Brown Christmas. I want to watch, I want to watch The Grinch. I want to watch whatever. You had to find out when it was going to air and then watch it. And if you were, for whatever reason, not present for that month and time in which it was going to air, you got to wait till next year. So it's a very sort of exclusive experience, right? It, that's, so that's what these Instagram stories and Snapchat and I think that Instagram has disappear mode or whatever for their chats now and stuff like that. And the, the watch parties and all that type of stuff, that's the, that's what it's emulating. It's emulating that exclusive experience. You have to be here now, get the hype train, get everyone here now. That's what it's, that's what it's going right now. Yep. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so just, just a couple things to add, like the, the internet's currency reach. The reason that the internet took off from a monetary sense so much is because not only was there reach greater, right? So it, it was hundred percent greater and it's growing and developing countries are making it grow even more. So there's exponential growth. But the reach is completely different. So like you said, the billboard, one direction of a road. Yes, you can kind of measure the amount of traffic on that road, but it's not accurate. With with reach on the internet, you can measure exactly how many people watch it. Now, some of those are bots or whatever, but regardless, you can measure a bit in a very statistical sense how many people have seen your ad. That's a huge plus for, for advertising companies, and that's a huge plus for advertisers. Right, even so just content creators. If you want to see how many people read your blog post, absolutely, because you can adjust your strategy and see it in real time take effect. Yep. So it's something that could not have happened in the in the past. Like before, you put a billboard up there and you wait. You're like, okay, uh, six months from now, what are our sales? Did that billboard change anything? Who knows? Maybe it was a guy down the street that told his wife and that told her. What, like it doesn't. It's not one to one. You couldn't correlate. So you'd, ha- you'd have to get a survey, like you'd have to have another step in there where it's like, how did you hear about us? Which a lot of companies do, and that is valuable information. And you, they would have to say, from a billboard. Yeah, exactly. And it have to be true and stuff like that. So it's very difficult to measure. Um, the other thing with reach is that on, on online is that it's extremely targeted. Why is Google a billion, like billion dollar company? Because they can target ads. When you type in, hey, I need nails from a hardware store, they're going to give you a hardware store right in your area that's purchased an ad right up the top. You're probably going to click on it. I mean, my, maybe not you. I'm not talking to you as like as, as the person listening to this. I'm talking to the general audience. Like, yes, you understand that the first two are ads, but a regular person like your grand your grandfather or like your aunt or something like that, they're going to see the hardware store at the very top and they're going to click on it. They're going to go to that hardware store. That's a huge important aspect of this. It's targeted advertisement. It's something that is extremely hard to do. Yes, TV, you can kind of do it. You know the general audience of AMC's The Walking Dead is like whatever. You, you have They have general audiences. It, it, it's all gamers or something, making it up. It's all sure, gamers yeah. or something. So gamers, then let's so show all the Xbox commercials during the AMC's The Walking Dead type of thing. Exactly, right? But with this, it can be like, well, this gamer not only is a gamer, but they've purchased an Xbox recently because we know their Amazon history and stuff like that. Like the, the, tr- the tracking of a user online is a whole different subject and the ethics of it. But regardless of the ethics, they know what right. you've done online, right? And regardless how you use it, some, like sometimes it gets really annoying because you would you would go and search for, hey, what's the best, like back to the bunnies, what's the best uh, grooming comb for a bunny? Right. And then for the next three days or five days, it's going to show you no matter where you go, the bet like grooming cones on Amazon or whatever. Um, and then you purchase one and the, the, the logic would be that they would stop doing, stop showing you it, but they don't because they're not very good at tracking you in those kinds of ways or they don't care about tracking you in those kinds of ways because they're just trying to blast you as much as possible. There's, there's different ways of thinking about it, but regardless, way more targeted, 
way more valuable. That's why the reach on the internet, that's why there's so much money in advertising on the internet. And, and another thing too, is like, even if you're, you know, well-versed in, in the internet, uh, culture or whatever, if you look at something like I was looking at new sunglasses, cause my sunglasses are getting old. So I go and look those sunglasses pop up everywhere. Like Mike is saying, but what that does even to me that I realize that it is targeted ads and I know how it generally works in the background. It's still making, keeping those glasses in my mind. And oftentimes I'll end up buying it eventually. And so that does work. And, and also I personally find it to be more pleasurable when I, I see ads that are ads for me and not just like, you should really buy this brand new, I don't know, wallet. Like why? Like I have a wallet, like I'm not a wallet aficionado. I really don't care. Right. But if I'm looking for a wallet and all of a sudden wallet ads come up, it's different. But then once I buy the wallet and I stop looking at wallets, they fade away. But tech is always in there because I'm interested in tech and it knows that and blah, blah, blah. And yes, it's controversial, whatever, but that's generally why it's there. Right. And that's, that's, that's one of those powerful reach analytics, statistical tools that are real time, if not, or real time, or like a day later, you get a report or whatever it is, right? Depending on your service, of course. So with that being said, obviously targeting ads and those type of things is very, very difficult very, very specific. It's very proprietary tech in most cases, whatever you want to say, but in, in all of those cases and in a bunch of cases that I'm about to get into it's definitely like all algorithmic based is what I'm trying to say. I'm not like an algorithm guru by any means, but it's all algorithm based. So now due to this massive reach of the internet, right? Self-help gurus, business specialists, marketing masters, and more flood the market with their quote unquote, 10 easy steps or five easy steps or whatever it is to success plans, right? These are plans when in reality, their plan is often missing the main thing, the content. Now, you'll hear about all sorts of ways to get big on TikTok, what hashtags to use, on what services, because obviously there's more than just TikTok, and what times you should be posting, how long your caption should be, what your picture should look like, all that stuff. Playing a services algorithm is one of the biggest things that these gurus are often selling, right? They know, for example, how Instagram shows content, and they've boiled it down to something simple like... I don't know, this is just made up, but post one video a day at noon, put these hashtags on it, wait for one hour, then make three stories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they've done all this testing and all this that boiled it down. That's why I was mentioning the complexity of the algorithm. The algorithms are so complex that people are, people are spending hours and hours and hours and months and whatever of their lives figuring out how the algorithm works from, from the receiving end to then boil it down so that you can do it. You know what I mean? So there's multiple, multiple, multiple steps. This is a big, big industry, right? Now, does this work? right? It sounds like a get rich quick scheme. Does it work? It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. It works. But there's some caveats here. If you find a proven, if you find a proven content posting procedure, like I just said, which is, which was a fake procedure to be clear, don't be doing that. But if let's say you find an actual real posting procedure that's been tested and you fall it tested and it's proven and you follow it, chances are you will gain followers. You'll gain a little bit of like influence. You'll become a little bit of an influencer on the platform of your choice right? Now it's not guaranteed, of course, but it is having that procedure, having that data is a leg up, um, on those that are just posting on the platform randomly with no strategy. Sort of like a lot of the people on Facebook are just talking about what's happening in their town. And like, obviously Facebook's not going to take that and make that viral type of thing. Right. But anyone who knows the algorithm knows how to write it and knows when to post and knows this and knows that that's an edge up. So yes, absolutely. Knowing how the algorithms work of which they change at random, by the way, without warning. So there's 
your your strategy could work for a full year and then come crashing down the next day and never recover, right? That's just that's just the reality of of these algorithms because Facebook's not going to go out and be like, everybody, there's an algorithm change. Everyone look at the algorithm change. You know, they're not going to do that. That's ridiculous, right? And SEO, same type of thing. Same same type of issue, right? So let's just take an, an example of why it's why it's important and why it, why getting this extra reach and gaming these algorithms works, right? So if you're able to get your content in front of 100 eyeballs, right? 100 people, let's just say. I realize we have two eyes, but let's just say for some reason, whatever. 100 eyeballs, 100 people, let's just say. And you you might get, let's just say you get 10 followers from those 100 people. So 10% of your reach for that post that you just posted, you posted something, 100 people saw it, you got 10 followers, 10% of those people followed you. 10% of your reach followed you, right? Now, what if your reach on the exact same post was say 1 million. Now you have 100,000 followers. This is where the algorithm kind of comes in or does come in because you could have really good content. And so you're converting whatever to converting reach or whatever, like non-followers to followers at a rate of 10%. I'm not a marketing genius, so I don't know all these terms, but you're taking people that are not following you, 100 people that aren't following you and they're now 10 are, right? 10% of the people. Most, most people, right? Most posts are going to go unnoticed, even if they're good. Mike and I could make a full play, like a full play. Let's say it's actually well-produced. It's funny. It's whatever posts on YouTube, three views dead instantly. That can happen. And that can, that does happen. Channels like, like YouTube channels go, go for years and years and years with like no views people go for years and years and years posting and never go viral. So you're always chasing that 1 million. And so you're not like gaming the algorithm nefariously, you know, in general. Usually it's like, oh, I just need to make sure I post at noon and I make sure I make these hashtags and that. But this is why this sort of science, if you will, is so important because you spent however long making that that piece of content. Maybe it was three hours. I don't know. You posted it. Do you want 10 followers or do you want 100,000? And that's seriously the the draw. That's why the reach of the internet is like so powerful because you could go viral or maybe you won't even go viral, but like imagine going from, oh, I'm only getting a hundred views on Twitter, but then I went on TikTok and I got 10,000. That's a, that's a huge difference. And it's the same content. That's the difference. That's the, 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 the allure, right? So this is why going viral and getting discovered by algorithms and expanding your content re- its reach is so sought after. The more you achieve, the higher your chance of gaining followers. The more of a reach you achieve is what I mean, right? The more of a chance of, of gaining followers and therefore gaining sales, especially if you're just directly selling a product in a video, more people that see it, the more people are going to buy it in general, right? Of course. Now, all this stuff, of course, is a lot to digest, even if you're following someone else's easy to use guide. Typically, that's because, you know, you're the one generating the content and you're passionate in general, again, about the content. But now you're having to take your content, the stuff that you're probably passionate about, and cater it to these algorithms, cater it to short form formats like TikTok videos. You might even need to change your on-camera persona, if applicable, of course, if you have a camera thing, if you're doing videos. But you may have to change your on-camera persona to somebody that's super energetic, 
or super this or super that or whatever it is. You might need to change your persona on camera. So for someone who's passionate about their content, sometimes it's a very difficult pill to swallow, right? And this is especially true if it changes your actual vision. You might say like, oh, I would love to just, I would just, you know what, imagine, imagine, I'm just making this up on the spot. Imagine a physical, a physical space that, that would adhere to this sort of digital realm type of thing. Imagine you're a person, you just love coffee, you open up your cafe and you want it to be a super chill environment, right? You want it to be a super chill environment. That's your vision. That's your goal. You eventually buy the property, whatever you put together your cafe, you make it nice and chill and you get a hundred customers a day, but you could be getting 500 customers a day if you made it not so chill. If you added a kid's area, if you added live entertainment, if you had people yelling, if you greeted people differently, instead of being chill, you're like, hey there, everybody, you know, like, it's like, like, you know, high energy, high craziness, bright colors, instead of being like super chill and like subdued to the, to the, to the cafe owner, even though like the money is going to be nice, if they switch, it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. And the same thing can happen to content creators, right? Because you're telling them you got to make this short form. You got to make vertical video, not, not regular you know, you know, screw your long form content, make things more bite-sized, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. And it's hard, right? And this is where getting caught up in all this social media, gaining reach, making algorithms work for you can really take over your content and even your overall business plan, especially if your, if your business plan effectively is to be a content creator of some sort. And this makes it extremely easy. And this happens to Mike and I all the time. It makes it extremely easy to forget what you originally set out to do. And what you originally set out to do is to create content. Now, even the word content or the phrase create content has been through the ringer with all this social media madness, really, because it's, you know, social media is fast, 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 different algorithms, different, different platforms, go, 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 right? And they, like those phrases, content and create content, those type of things, those phrases or those words have become marketing terms when in reality they shouldn't be, right? We've been talking for, I don't know, on the time slot here and and, and unedited, so some of this is going to be cut. I've been talking for about 26-ish minutes, right? And like the majority of our time spent on the show, we did our pain points, we did all that, but the majority of the time on our show right now was talking about social media and algorithms and self-help gurus and what you're going to do and, 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 and all this stuff. And what are you going to be on LinkedIn? You're going to make like five pieces of content for LinkedIn every day, whatever, blah, 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 right? All that stuff is, might be really sound advice. might be really great advice, but where's the content in all this? Like, what are you sharing? What are you advertising? And what are you making? Like, what is the business? What is it? And a lot of these self-help guys, like I said, their product, their business is selling you on their proven social media method, their proven, uh, you know, way to brand things. So that is their product. But what happens to, especially Mike and I is, and me a lot is I get so into this world where I'm literally looking only at what hashtags to post. And I'm only looking at what time to post and am I posting enough? Do I need to post more? Do I need to make more stuff up? Do I need to be more relatable? And it becomes this like really weird thing of being like, I'm not even making content. I'm not on the Twitch stream. I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there thinking about how do I get big on TikTok? How do I get big on Instagram? How do I get big on Twitter? How do I get big on Facebook? And it becomes this weird, fake, strange thing where you can so easily get caught up in it. And that goes back to the complexity again. These algorithms, these things are complex. These things that deliver you these ads, these things that deliver you the 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 discovery. So 
a lot of these algorithms, it's all about discovery, right? So if you go to Instagram, there's like a discover tab or the little magnifier icon. Again, I'm not a marketer, but like a little, you know, so you can see random other people's stuff. So, you know, your homepage, you see all the people that you follow for the most part. But if you click on the little magnifying glass, you click that and then it shows you random people's stories and random people's content. That's, that is catered to you, you know, to an extent it is catered to you. You're not, that's where those people, that's where those people that are trying to gain the algorithm, that's where they're, that's where they're aiming for. They want to be on there. They want to be on your discover page. And with the TikTok, look at all the people that are doing hashtag for you page. The for you page is the first thing you see when you open TikTok. And it's basically a discovery feed. Like getting discovered and being shown to people be on the, via the algorithm is super, super, super important. Super important to your business because you want people to be able to see you. Do you want a, a, a one direction billboard on that road or do you want two? Do you want, do you want to get both sides? It's effectively that, but with the massive difference of the internet's potential reach. That's the difference. And that's how it gets so complex. Because even though we have a self-help guy, and I'm not calling these people scammers. A lot of these people are totally legit. You have a self-help guy or like a marketing guy that is distilling it down to a process for you and distilling it down to these different algorithms and when to post and how to post and do this and do that. Even though they're distilling it, it's still massively complex. Because you're not dealing with just one platform. And some people argue you should be. Some people say that you should use all the platforms. Some people say you should some. You should use some. But think about this. If you use Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, you use Facebook Watch on the side, I don't know. You use an Instagram. Like, look at all this. And all we're doing right now, Mike and I are making a show. Whenever I start seeing all this stuff about, like, when to post, I start thinking, like, how the hell am I supposed to fit a podcast into that? How does the freaking content work? Like, what's the business? Like, like, what am I selling? Am I selling myself looking at a computer and acting surprised about, like, like doing a skit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, am I supposed to be doing a skit? Is that what Mike and I came here to do? And maybe we will at some point, like, I don't know, but I didn't come here to do a skit. Maybe I will do some funny skits and I, I can be pretty crazy sometimes and, you know, whatever. That's fine. And maybe you think I'm crazy now for this rant, but like, what is that content, right? Content is king. Yeah. And I, j- just to finish off this point before you get into the next segment, content is king. Um, it's complex on purpose. It's not only complex because it needs to be complex. It actually is complex because it wants to be complex in the sense that those people gaming the algorithms, quote unquote, are are not supposed to be and are constantly being beaten where it's like a cat and mouse game. And that's why you going to like some, you know, self-help thing or you going to like a and buying a course on gaming the algorithm or something like that might be outdated by the time you hit the purchase button, even if it was released yesterday. So it's a very slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. And it's on purpose. Google, like they've said it, multiple of the different ad agencies have said it, Google especially, they don't release how to rank in the in their seo other than the basics of like you know just making sure that you have your titles and you know you're updating content don't, and don't stuff violate like that. their terms of service because you'll be banned off it or like the link won't be shown or like yeah. whatever stuff like that of course you know exactly so other than the basics they don't tell you you know you need to talk about puppies today <laughs> yeah yeah like they don't tell you the direct link to how to get ranked on their system they're relying on the fact that you need to post the content do your best job at creating quality content 
And hopefully you do it often enough for their search engine to pick you up in the way that they want to do it without knowing how they're doing it. That's what they want. And it, it sounds complicated because it is complicated. That's the problem. And some people have learned to quote unquote game it. And some people have been able to like follow the follow the changes to the algorithm, but they're constantly changing it. They're constantly adapting it to the scammers. The scammers constantly have to play that cat and mouse game to try to get it, to get their stuff up top without doing the thing that they without creating the content essentially. Because there's a lot of stuff that's in near the top that's very minimal content related that's more to do with the advertising of it, which is what all the advertising agents want to get away from. And it's difficult to do, obviously, on both ends. So that's why this topic is so complex. And that's why when someone comes up to you and being like, hey, I want to be ranked number one on Google, you have to be extremely skeptical in saying, oh, no problem, we'll do that. Obviously, you can't do that. Like unless you're a massive SEO agency or something or you're a genius in some way, shape or form, you can't guarantee someone that they'll be number one on Google unless they pay for it and you're able to set up their ad campaign and you know what they want to be number one in. You know the path and you know how to like correct course when Google changes the algorithm. Yeah, exactly. But it's not even about the algorithm. Like if you pay for an ad placement, then you're going to appear near the top. You know what I mean? Like pay for the ad. That's what they want you to do. Yes, right. Absolutely. Like they're making it hard for a few reasons. One, to try to promote content and two, for you to buy ad space on their site without gaming their system. Yes. Buying ad space is absolutely a way to be up top. So that's something that you can definitely offer your clients. But your clients saying that I want to be number one on Google over top over top of like, you know, if they're a, a small retail startup, they want to be number one over over Walmart. It's not going to happen. Unless they have like, you know, a 10 million, not even a 10 million, unless they have a billion dollar budget. Yeah. Yep. And you can hire all the ad agencies that Walmart hires essentially and stuff like that. Like, so it's just, you have to be realistic and you have to play the system and you have to create content that you enjoy creating because that's the only way you're going to create something quality and that will be picked up by the system. So I'll let, leave it to you, Matt, to talk about the content is king part. Right. And and I do want to clarify one thing, too. When mm-hmm. I say self-help guru, I don't mean like the people that are literally trying to like help you with like therapy. I'm talking about the people that are the people that are like saying, like, change your life forever, like leave the office and don't have a boss and become the business owner you've always wanted to be. And those type of things, those type of self-help people like the business self-help people, if you will, just a just an FYI, just to make sure no one gets confused between the between the two. But content is king. Like I said, content is king. So you've probably heard this before. It's absolutely true. 100% is true. Choose a niche, right? Make content, post it on TikTok, LinkedIn, and wherever else you have to, right? Or, or, or wherever else will have you, I guess, more specifically. If you're making really good, you know, pictures, post them on Instagram and LinkedIn and TikTok. Or like, well, I guess I'm not too versed in TikTok. I'm pretty sure it's just videos, but you know what I mean? Like wherever will have you and your content posted on there, of course, right? And post with hashtags, you know, make sure it's good video, make sure it's good video quality and See, there it is again. We talk about content as king and you sink back into that again. You sink back into like, oh, I got to choose a niche. I got to make my content. I got to post it on TikTok. I got to post it on Instagram. I got to do this and 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 post the hat things. This is where, this is how people sink into it. The instant you talk about content, people are like immediately like, oh, what, how, how, where do you post it? Where's your account? When do you post? How often? You have, the, you have good thumbnails? You have custom thumbnails? Make sure you do custom thumbnails. Is at least 10 minutes. How long is that video? Well, three minutes for watch, but it gotta be 10 minutes on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, like again, 
you're you're like ripping off these marketing things which are absolutely helpful they're not scam like they're not like you know people aren't like trying to scam you the person that's trying to follow good advice for the time but like this is the, this is how the social media firestorm begins this is where i'm are, there's been several times and i remember sitting there and i was i was talking telling mike before this before before the show and i was sitting there trying to make a i i'm starting to use canva i really like it that they're not a sponsor i just really like canva and i was making a thumbnail and i was trying to sit there and think of a of a like a positioning or like a title or something i was messing around with the thumbnail and i was there for like 10 minutes trying to mess around with it. And then I thought to myself, I'm like, if I, if it's to the left, the slightly to the right, slightly, or has this one extra word in it, it is absolutely not going to change it from 10 views to a hundred thousand or hundred million views. You know, maybe that might happen. That's like a lottery ticket, right? Maybe that might happen, but why the hell am I spending 10 minutes screwing around with this? And so I just stopped. Now, obviously, I need to be mindful and make it so the episode is actually trendy to an extent. I'm not going to just call it, like, episode four with no title. That's ridiculous. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to spend this invested interest and time. And I was doing it with hashtags. I was sitting there trying to figure out the best hashtags for, like, like an hour. Like, an actual hour. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? It's literally going to go from, like, 100 to, like, 125 reach or something. Because we're not the biggest, you know... We're not the biggest influencers around. Of course not. And so it's like, what the hell am I doing? The content is the king here, right? So content has been made to kind of get back to the episode here is content has been made into a modern marketing term. I think I've already mentioned that before, right? But content doesn't need to adhere to its own sort of modern definition like that, if you will. Content is whatever it is, whatever it is you make. So let's take the word content on its own for this segment. Let's take it away from those quote-unquote obligations of social media and sharing and marketing and whatever else, right? Let's boil it down to what do you make? What are you currently making? And what are you about to make if you already have plans, right? It can be a physical product. It can be a digital product. It can be a YouTube channel. It can be a TikTok account. It can be a line of eBooks. It could be a blog. It doesn't need to be content that you're making. It doesn't need to be quote unquote content that you're making, if that makes sense. If you want to make a full out cooking show and you go and you want to post that on YouTube and you do it, then you can market yourself, of course, on TikTok and stuff like that. But don't get bogged down in the TikTok, if that makes sense. Like, don't be like spending more time trying to make the TikTok go viral than you would making the show. The content is king absolutely you should make it so that your stuff has a potential to go viral. I want to be clear that that always has to be in the back of your mind. But if the content is bad, if the content is forgettable, if the content is dull, low quality, gar- like if it's garbage, if your content is garbage, you're, you're, it's over, right? This term, the term content has been, co- has been polluted by this need or want, right? to make funny skits on TikTok or post viral inspirational uh, content. When in reality, we humans have been making content for years. Restaurants make content. It's called food. That's content, right? Mechanics have content. It's the parts they install. It's the cars they restore. It's making the car work. That's the content. It's not limited to the web and social media. And I think we forget that. Just to interrupt you right here. uh, The whole content 
being good is the most important part is so key because let's say you do make you're amazing at marketing and let's say you do go viral with some random thing that took you two seconds to make and that you're not interested in and people see it and then they come back to your content and they realize it's shallow and shitty and you don't care about it what have you gained you gain, you gain like a million followers, maybe like like if it's gone really really viral. You yeah, gain like a million, you gain a million followers, million that, followers will, that will leave you, and they're all just boom gone. Like e- either yeah. they're gonna unfollow or they they don't care about you, and the algorithms are gonna spit you out because you didn't make any more good content. Yep, and it, if you do make great content and you put your effort into it and you love it and it's good, and like you feel good about it, your audience feels good about it, no matter how small they are, and then you automatic like you somehow go viral for some reason or you just slowly build your 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 audience which is fine too in some in most ways right and someone comes in and sees your content and they see your other content they're like oh this is really interesting and they and that spiral effect that circle effect will will happen and be a positive thing for you so that's another kind of really important reason why content is king yeah you know it's it what what it what it comes down to is is it's like if you will the internet seems sort of fakeish you know like whatever sort of seems sort of fake when people like people like script videos and crap and it's supposed to be like look how generous this person was we just so happen to have four camera angles on them like what <laughs> you know maybe some of that stuff is real but like there's a lot of like that fakeness to it and if your content is real and it could be acted, of course, if it's like a dramatization or whatever. But like the point is like, if your content is, is, is true to its own vision, then yes, you need good marketing, but your content needs to be like a real piece of content, right? You, it needs to be, I won't say believable, but I'm just like, I'm, I'm pigeonholing it into like a video, but it's like your blog post can't be all just hyperlinks to other to other blog posts you made and then all those blog posts net into this one with a bunch of other hyperlinks like your 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 blog post has to be a good bit of writing it has to be a valuable piece of writing it has to provide value it legitimately has to be good and the value could be being funny the value could be being ridiculous the value could be being informative whatever it is but it has to be valuable in some capacity if it's just bs yes you could go viral but then you're now you're pigeonholed. Now, now you're now you're constantly chasing the dragon. Effectively, now you're constantly chasing that, right? Going viral too early. I think I heard this from Gary V. Going so I don't want to misquote him or whatever. I'm just but I'm just saying this from memory. But like going viral too early is not good. If Mike and I went super viral on one of our posts, we got 10 million hits, and then all of a sudden we went back down to like 200, we'd be chasing that 10 million for literally their entire careers, until either we 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 got back there or we got we did it again or whatever. We'd be chasing that dragon through the whole thing. Maybe the chase is good, maybe whatever, but that's pretty unhealthy to try to hit 10 million. It's not like we went from 200 to 2,000 and that we're chasing 2,000. Totally reasonable goal. 10 million? Like, Christ. Like, how the hell are we supposed to hit that again? You know what I mean? That's that's the thing, right? It, you, your, your content can't be shallow. So, if you think about it, we remember good movies and good videos, not because of the hashtags, not because of whatever caption they had, or not because they were, like, when they were originally posted, like, oh, that, I remember that video was posted at noon. Like, I remember that. Who the hell says that, right? We remember them because they're good quality, and we enjoy them. There's a reason why people used to eagerly anticipate, again, bringing it back, the Christmas movies, and the shorts, and whatever else that they saw every year on TV. Because the content was good and memorable enough to want to experience it again during the whole experience of Christmas and that sort of the holiday season, right? So 
that's the difference here. Is that like the the Charlie Brown Christmas and all that stuff isn't like shallow. It's good content marketed well by going by being put out at the right time, being shown on certain TV channels or Apple TV or however the hell it works now. You know, it's it there's a reason why horror more horror movies seem to appear or at least bubble up to the top during Halloween on Netflix. That's good marketing. But the movie has to be good, right? The movie has to be good. That type of stuff. No one is going to remember a social media post that was shown to everyone just because the algorithm was was played perfectly. You played the algorithm perfectly, and then it's just you sitting there staring at them. You could do that. I mean, I, I might remember that because that's weird. But like, see, in that in that regard, though, if you're staring into the yeah. camera and like you know being creepy intentionally, and you and and, and the value is to be like a yeah. horror podcast or a horror podcast, a horror uh, social media post during Halloween. That's value. That's like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? That guy's creepy. But I was on TikTok the other day and there was a person that literally said like the algorithm is broken. And she just sat there and was like, put this song on your, she didn't even say anything. It was like the, the captions show up or whatever on TikTok. And it was like, play this song, boom, you're famous. And she had like 300,000 likes or something. And it was just like, she, it's like, oh, this it's because the algorithm for whatever reason was picking up that song. And it's because the algorithms are like, you're saying like, the like, the people that are trying to game the algorithms, the algorithm is constantly running away. And it's because the algorithm is trying to be organic, right? To an extent. Maybe there's other nefarious things that I don't understand that people are doing. Someone who's versed in that can comment. But to me, it's like the algorithm is trying to be... It's, tr- it's trying to like fulfill the goal of, of being a discovery thing. And it's supposed to be like a thing where it's like, Matt likes tech. Give Matt tech. <laughs> it's not like, Matt likes tech. Show him plastic wrapping. <laughs> You know, like no one's doing that. Like no one, like Instagram's not like, oh, I got them this time. It's going to be extra plastic wrap this time. You know, as I'm just not going to buy that. Like no matter how many times you show it to me, unless I specifically need plastic wrap that day, I'm not interested in it. So who cares, right? Those type of things. So sort of conclude, if you will, no one's going to remember, or sorry, excuse me, the quest of virality is important, right? The quest for being, going viral is, is important. Really good content can go unseen without being discovered and shown off due to these various discovery algorithms. That's why you should have good marketing. That's why you should try to post at the proper times and stuff like that. Absolutely. But the staying power is all in the content. Content is king. 100% content is king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just one little thing I would want to add is like an idealistic view of a search engine or a discoverability would be and a, a way for it to detect quality content. You can't do that right now. Not right like now. Like if no. I, for, for instance, if if one of you out there or someone were to write an amazing post, and Matt mentioned this der- earlier in the episode, write an amazing post or make an amazing produced video, and you put it on YouTube without any thinking of, uh, you know, social media etiquette and title creation, virality, nothing of that. It's not going to get any views, no matter how good it. It could be. It could be produced secretly by, you know, J.J. Abrams. Yeah. It could be made, like you know what I mean, in a secret account, and they put it up there. It's not going to get anything until it's found. That would be and an if, amazing if, experiment. There should someone should do it, but regard, there's no point in doing it because there's nothing currently available. There's no technology available that tests the quality of content, taking it away from the social aspect. Right. That's the idealistic view. That's what that's what I'm hoping <laughs> all the platforms like YouTube and Google and stuff, that's what they're I'm hoping they're trying to get to. Now, are we there? 
in the next 10 years, not sure, but hopefully at some point we are there. In which case, who cares about the social media? I'll put episode number 32. I don't care about the title. Unless your unless your content is social media based. If you're a person no, that, yeah, that is course. specifically making TikToks, of course, yeah. then you're on TikTok. But, but <laughs> it, if if I'm not, then like I won't do it. And the other like taking away that virality aspect and the social media aspect will bring better content out. So I think, again, it's an idealistic view, right? So it's, I'm not saying it's happening. I'm not saying anyone's even going for it. I'm hoping they are. But it's something that I would hope that someone out there is trying to solve right now. And I will say that there are a couple of channels. One Only one comes to mind right now, but I know this happened in the past. Where there are, I know some YouTube channels that are big, like successful. They're not like the mega, 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 like whatever biggest channel. But they're big. They're very successful. And the person just posts whatever the hell they want. And they don't have social media. They literally just do not have social media at all. Other than because YouTube does also have its own discovery thing. And like it's because that person's content was quality. Luck maybe they maybe they, you know, had to do something to the, to get onto YouTube, whatever. But that is an example of what you're saying, Mike, where it's even though it is one example, it is still an example of some people do break through with just good content. I remember uh year uh years ago, years ago, God, probably five years ago, something like that. I remember my buddy Tim was talking, he streams like full time now, but um, he was talking about streaming back then. This is years ago. I think we were all still in school. And he told me, he said like, oh, you, you know, you, in general, like the, f- the formula at the time was, you know, get a webcam, you talk in whatever, whatever. But like, you, like you talk, like get a webcam. So, f- so the face cam is there and then you talk and that's it. Right. Um, but and that was like a newfangled format that was like really doing well. And I remember there was a guy that just never talked. He had his webcam on and he never talked. And I was like, isn't this guy not going to do well? Again, thinking I'm caught up in this this social media thing even back then. And he said, no, that guy's just like famous for doing like really good gameplay videos. And he just kind of keeps the face cam on because it's like, you know, whatever he wants to do it or whatever. But he doesn't he doesn't adhere by the algorithm or whatever the heck these people are doing or the newfangled content. He doesn't adhere to it because he doesn't care. And that's super yeah. interesting. Yeah, exactly. That, that's where I hope we're getting to. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, so so with that, uh, let's get on to the web news. What do you think, Matt? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, now, technically, web news tech roundup. Uh, there wasn't actually as much tech as I thought there was going to be. So we're just going to be talking about the Apple Silicon Mac announcement that happened today, actually. But for you, it'll be a couple days um, or actually tomorrow. And uh, also PS5 and Xbox are being released today. So let's, you know, have a quick chat about that. Uh, so Apple Silicon Max. Uh, only Xbox was released today. No, but but they're being released this week. This week, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm Both just making them, sure yeah. people don't go like, holy crap, and like run to their future yeah. shop, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that, oh, that, mean, was, yeah, that was sad, actually, what I just said. Yeah, that was, that was really sad. Uh, That's a subconscious rip, rip. subconscious bit of trauma. Yeah. <laughs> the death of Future Shop. I yeah. mean, it was really sad, actually. Yeah, no no competition in the electronic space. I mean, Best Buy is go, kind of going away, I think. But Very, very brief little side note. I was literally in a Future Shop an hour before it closed. I, I bought something. I had to buy, like, a SIM uh, adapter. I literally went home. It was nighttime. Went to bed. Woke up. Future Shop was dead. Yep. That was the fastest, I, most ridiculous thing. Li- I, all of them. I, all all of them at the same time. And literally chain? a note gone. A note on the door. No one had any idea what was happening. Literally every single Future Shop. A note on the door saying, "I all shifts are canceled. Uh, you are no longer employed. 
Peace. Other than like the ones that were trans, like trans muted. I don't know why I want to say transmute. That's from friggin' Diablo two. Anyway, transferred to, uh, uh, to Best Buy. Cause some of the locations were taken over by Best Buy other than those people, yeah. which I assume they got rehired. I'm not sure how all that worked, but like, yeah, I don't know. Imagine just being, it wasn't that's instant. fucking crazy. Yeah. Here's the craziest part. You know that it wasn't all that planned. I think anyway, or from the consumer, from me, without having insider information, they literally just built one of the future shops. And then it was just like, and building abandoned. Like, what? You just built that building. It wasn't like you leased it. You just built it. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Yeah, they had their own designs. I remember that. Yeah, that's that was a that was a weird time. But yeah, nice. that's, that's a Canadian uh, a Canadian tech retailer like Best Buy. Like Best Buy. Like, exactly yeah. like Best Buy. In fact, in fact, it was bought. By, by Best Buy. It was bought by Best yeah. Buy, and then there was yeah, both Best Buys and it. Future Shops in Canada, yeah. and then Future Shop was killed. Yeah. Unbelievably uh, sad, and clearly a, yeah. tra- a, trauma- a traumatic moment in my life that I remember. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk quickly about the Apple Silicon Max announcement. Uh, there's not really too much to talk about, but I wanted to bring it up because there's a few implications. Um, so three devices announced, Mac Mini, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro 13-inch, all running the same chip which is interesting. So before it was like, you know, the i5s or i3s would be in the, or like the really low powered i7s would be in the MacBook Airs. And then a different chip selection would be in the MacBook Pros. Now they're all running the M1 Apple Silicon chipped all in one chip on design. So it's the GPU, CPU, all designed by Apple, uh, ARM-based cores, stuff like that. Similar, it's a similar chip to what's running currently in the MacBook or the the new iPhones, the iPhone 12s and the iPad Airs, which is like the 14X Bionic, whatever it's called. Um, but it's like a higher power version of that. Uh, so essentially what this means, and we've talked about this before, is that we're get, they're getting away from the x86 architecture, which is what Windows apps and Mac OS apps were running on. And going to the ARM architecture, which is what the Android apps and iOS apps are running on, which means one of the big things with this is that any iOS app that the developer specifically ticks a box on will be supported natively on the new Mac OS and the new Macs, which is interesting for a couple of reasons in terms of developers. Uh, that means that, and this is an open question to you, Matt, and to, I guess to the audience as well, will web apps be less common because we can take a native iOS app instead? Because I know a lot of people used web apps in lieu of native apps sometimes. And I'm wondering how much that effect is going to be. Like, are we going to be seeing a shift back to more app development because of something like this? Um, Because as we know, iOS is, or Mac OS in general, is a pretty big market share component, especially from a, in terms of revenue perspective. Right. Like most I app store sales, like I iOS app store sales are much higher in a turn, like in very, in a very measurable sense. Like it's a, it's a significant amount higher than Android app store sales, even mm-hmm. let alone Mac or like, let alone windows app, like windows store sales and stuff like that. It's not comparable. Um, so are people going to start trying to build better iOS apps? Because now they build an iOS app. It works on Mac OS. It works on iOS. It works on iPad OS. All these people usually have enough money to buy apps or in a different sense, because x86 is becoming less supported, people will stop building certain Mac OS apps or iOS apps, and they're going to start building more web web apps. 
because now they're building a web app. They're using these, like everyone's kind of using uh, low powered architectures. Web supports it. Will that become like, so it, it's kind of these things like, what's the shift going to be and how should we react? Should we wait and stuff like that? The other question that I have is like, should, or, and I can answer this one. Should people, the web developers, the people listening to this, go out there and buy one of these MacBooks? For now, I would say no, because A, they're small. I, I always recommend getting something bigger, more screen real estate. And B, we don't know what the performance is actually going to be like. They're saying the performance is really good. Like anywhere from two to two times to eight times better than the Intel counterparts, Holy which is Christ. kind of insane. Yes. And battery life is insane. I heard, so I heard we're talking 20 hours like, on one of the MacBooks. Yes, 20 hours is a, is a normal rating now, apparently, like with ex- potential for more, in fact, which is pretty insane. Uh, so that kind of performance increase is significant, but we don't know what that means. Like, is that only on specific apps, like only on apps built directly for that architecture? Or is it going to actually apply a little bit to, like, is the two times increase going to apply to the emulated x86 apps as well? We don't know mac os apps so it's kind of interesting like i think the ios part like the ios apps being supported is a pretty big thing that people are glazing over what do you think matt well i'm trying to remember like so if you really think about um google's os which is like chrome well i mean they have android obviously but they have uh like chrome os I'm talking about like sort of their desktop their laptop whatever uh os the you have or had Chrome apps. I think they might be gone. Is that right? Am I talking out? Um, so I got a warning one time that said like Chrome apps were going away. And I don't know whether that meant on Windows because you used to be able to get Chrome apps in Chrome on Windows. So I don't know if I don't know that's if what that was talking about. I think you can still build them for Chrome OS. Because I know that you could that uh, a bunch of Chromebooks, depending on how old they are and stuff like that, a bunch of Chromebooks and a bunch of Chrome OS devices can run Android apps now. Yes. So clearly there was a value to having your mobile apps on a computing experience. And the same like the same goes with the same goes obviously with this as well. And being a Samsung user right now, they partner with Microsoft and I can open up Windows or Android apps streamed though from my phone on Windows. So clearly there's a need for this type of thing. There's a need for this functionality to go across. And I think it I think it stems from the fact that it used to always be, oh, I'm on my phone. Give me a sec. I'll go to my computer. And now it's sometimes like, oh, it's just easier to do X thing on my phone. Now, it's a two-way street. Some stuff you're like, man, okay, I just can't do this on my phone right now. Let me just go on my computer. It's faster. And it is a two-way street. But I think the phone, the phone's UX has become some something of somewhat of its own sort of like – the the UX of a phone is 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 constantly connected, and so it's easier to share and it's easier to do whatever, and it's easier to use one device. So I'm at a computer right now. It'd be super awesome if I could just and I can open my WhatsApp and then type on it right there. And the fact that it's relaying to the phone that's how WhatsApp works. The fact that the desktop app because I'm not streaming the app. I'm doing using the WhatsApp desktop app and I'm streaming it to the phone. The reason why it hands it off to the phone is because the phone's always connected and it's blah 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 blah. And so it's much easier, it's much easier to sort of get the communication stuff on a phone. And so I could see, especially with Mac, 
people who edit photos on Lightroom and then they promote themselves on Instagram as photographers that can do editing. I mean, that could be huge. That could be huge because now they no longer. I mean, you can use Facebook. There are official Facebook tools in which you can post to Instagram from desktop. We use them. Yes, I know. But some of those people would prefer to just have the native Instagram thing and just post natively right on there. And that would be huge for them, right? That would be massive. Instead of having to airdrop to their phone and then use the iPhone, assuming they have an iPhone, right? And move over. So I think that it's it's big, it's big news, but here's the caveat. Apple takes that 30%. Now, I know we've talked about this extensively. I don't want to get into the weeds of the 30%. But it adds a question of whether the web apps are going to be viable. If someone does not want to... If someone does not want to pay that 30%, of which is a fairly decent cut, on something like macOS... I mean, maybe we're going to see more web apps on, on, on macOS. Maybe we're going to see just more native apps on macOS. Uh, something like that. The benefit, the benefit of having a mobile app work on everything is there just because it's you make one app and do whatever. But as a company scales up and sees their sales on macOS go up, but also sees their cut, like Apple's cut, in turn go up, I could see potentially then people are going to start spinning things off. Like like a big bank yeah. has a web app. It also has, depending on your bank, like it might have a progressive web app. It has a regular sort of web app. Then it has a mobile app that's native on Android. And then another mobile app that's native on iOS. And then some, you know, if you're really, really big, you might use the less popular Microsoft store if you're on Windows and those type of things, right? So these bigger companies are scaled out and they'll they'll scale out accordingly. But people like you and me, we were just chatting about an idea, an, an app idea that you had before the show. And for us... Our 30% is going to be like $100 or something, right? Especially when we're just launching an app and no one really knows us on the it could app store. Be, it could be worthwhile. That's the thing. And I just – I don't want to interrupt. Yeah. But like what I want to get get to is like that 30% for earlier companies could be associated with, okay, we'll, we're cutting that for uh, advertisement because discoverability on the app store is good. I don't know if it actually is. Don't quote me on that. I think because of the amount of apps on there now, it's kind of shitty. But regardless – that could be, you know, you could you could throw that away. But as soon as you start building your own audience outside of the app store and you start seeing thousands of dollars and ton, tens of thousands of dollars and then hundreds of thousands of dollars start going away to the app store and you're not seeing any positive it brings in from the, from a discoverability aspect, you start being like, well, how do I stop it from doing that? That could happen. That's a good point. Yeah, it's I think this is one of those problems where time will tell myself like I, I feel as though it's way too early to estimate because i mean the some people would say well, the writing was on the wall that apple was going to go to arm but it's sort of like kind of but like it was maybe on the wall because i don't really follow apple too much but in terms of just computing in general it's sort of one of those things where i'm not like i'm not seeing arm really penetrate the pc market too much you know the new consoles have come out are coming out this week whatever depending on when you listen to this and they're on x86 as far as i know you know the consoles just last generation ps4 generation they went they they moved to x86 uh windows 10 is you know or windows rt was sort of the first attempt at arm and it didn't go so well yes windows 10 has a version that runs on art that uh, runs on on arm but like we're not seeing 
we're not seeing the the paradigm shift whereas apple controls everything in their ecosystem like it's different right pcs are made by lenovo and dell and hp and etc etc whereas mac like apple designs those things and yes they buy components from other people but they design those products and a lot of those chips are custom and stuff like that and so like obviously these these chips are custom but i mean more so in like the iphone for example like they'll buy samsung displays but they'll design the w1 chip and stuff like that right like apple has enough pull to design the chips and then like the chip manufacturers or whoever then goes and makes them and does all that and they control the whole thing everything is designed by apple from the iPhone through the iPad through the through the Mac, whereas Lenovo designs the computer and then just throws Windows on it, right? Dell designs the computer and then just throws Windows on it or Linux or whatever. So it it's a totally different market, and the reason why I mention it is because it's a big piece of the market, and that's also going to play into this whether web apps are going to explode or not. I'm using progressive web apps like to be totally honest with you. I'm using progressive web apps all over the damn place on my computer. I use progressive web apps all over the place on my computer. So I like them. I like them. I, I like them, them a lot. I and like I build them. them. Hmm? Yeah, I build them. I like them. I think that they're great for intra office stuff as well. Like really quick to build. Doesn't really matter about performance and when you're filling out a form, stuff like that. So yeah, and that that I type think, of stuff think, is 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 super valuable. And it just the problem with progressive web apps again. If you go to somebody who's not super tech savvy, or even someone who they're is consumer tech savvy, you're like, you use PWAs, be like, what? They're not, they're not sexy, to be blunt. They're not sexy. They're not marketing term. But you say, go to the iPhone and use the App Store. You're like, oh, oh damn, you know? Yes. Oh damn, like I know what I like. Where did you get this? The App Store. You know, there's a place. It's an app that you got in the App Store. You know, Google, even Google Play. It's like download an app, Google Play. Like, like in your mind, Google yep. Play instantly. That's where it goes for me. Whereas PWA, it's sort of like, oh, like, I got to click the plus if it's available. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's less. Yeah. It's less like, ooh, you know, it's more well, sort of like, oh, like, screen button. Yeah. how do I hack this on here? <laughs> kind of thing. Like, it feels like it's hacky, right? It feels like it's one of those things you have to explain. Like, yes. It's, it's not one of those inherent ones that you just say, go to the app store. No, this one's like, okay, if there is there a plus up there? If there is a plus up there, plus plus. <laughs> yeah. If a pop-up pops up saying, hey, can you add me to home screen? Allow them to add you to home screen. Most people don't do that. And when you, when you add to home screen, you have to explain what that does. Like, what is that? Like, you don't have to explain what an app is. Yes. You have to explain what, but you have to explain what this is. And that that's not going any away anytime soon, I think. That's that's going to be a, a barrier to entry for PWAs. But I, like I said, if it's an internal app or a service app where you have the ability to explain to a limited customer base, it is a powerful feature because it built it saves you that thing from having to build an entire native application for something that really doesn't need it. And you can easily send them a PD send like a, a group of people a PDF saying, "Hey, this is how you put it on your your home screen," and therefore this and this is why you would want to do that. Right. That's not an issue. So I. Th- in a mainstream sense, I don't think PWAs are there yet. Not 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 consumer I don't know what, electronics, if you will. No, no. But in a from a office perspective, or from a a company perspective, or from like a business to business perspective, I think that PWAs are definitely there. Like IT and are being it out, used. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's much else to say on the Apple Silicon Max announcement, but I just want to quickly touch before we have to uh, I have to take off here on the PS5 and Xbox One one being released. The main takeaway that I have from them is that they are computers in the very sense of the word. Like Matt was saying, they're x86. Now, last last generation was x86, but now they've taken another step to using more 
like generally designed graphics processors and Intel, like not Intel, sorry, uh, graphics and CPUs that are essentially the almost the same as the ones you can go out in the store and buy and put Windows on. Right. Or Linux. Uh, and they're bringing a new SSD technology to the mainstream. So those are the kind of the two things that I see being the, the leap here. And, and, and they're different between them, to be clear, too. Like, it's different yes. processors, PS5, Xbox. They're totally, like, they're different processors and different uh, SSDs not, and stuff. So they're, they are different, but they're the exact same architecture. Uh, other, other than, like, no, I'm going to say they're both at a 6 and they're both the exact same type of chip as well for both the graphics and the type, right. CPU, okay. but not the exact same performance, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but they're like, in, in terms of like the chip, it's almost exactly the same. Sure. That's I it. Okay. I, it's tough to explain, but it like... I guess it would be like an i5 to i7 explanation. Like it's the same generation of chip. It's just slightly different performance on the, on the two. Right. And, and, and to be fair also, like they were custom designed technically like AMD built them both. Yes. Uh, but like Sony, you know, has their hand in their chips creation. A little and bit. And Microsoft yes, yes. has their hand in the Xbox's creation, of yes. course. But I want to say that like that, that hand, Whereas it was a huge part of it before is a very small part of it. Yeah, the PS3 was hard to develop for, for example. Yes. PS3, to be clear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a really big step in a different direction for consoles. Now, other than the fact that they have better SSDs, better, uh, different architecture, they're also obviously more powerful. That's, I mean, that that's goes without saying new, new generation of consoles more powerful. But other, like, those are the kind of things that I see being the difference makers. Um, Matt, I know you were, Go, like out uh, at 12 o'clock to get an xbox because the xbox oh yeah pre-ordered it um xbox series was released xbox series um, yeah so i bought this xbox series x yeah uh, it was pretty cool i uh, went to the local mall i pre-ordered it there months ago and uh yeah i mean i bought yeah. uh i bought the xbox series x uh my buddy also bought it i'm just trying to like go the scan through the night in my head so like basically we, we showed up we, oh God, we pre-ordered it like super, not, not to get like into story time, but it's like we pre-ordered it super early in the morning. This was like a month ago or months ago, potentially. I can't remember. It was weeks ago anyway. And uh, then we got a call. So there was a midnight launch and we went to it. Microsoft, there was a Microsoft um, rep there or like an Xbox rep there giving away free swag and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Uh, grabbed that, grabbed a play and charge kit, like grabbed the console, of course, grabbed a play and charge kit, grabbed, I mean, they gave us free uh, thumb grips or whatever. Um, pretty cool to be, uh, supporting EB games again. I know EB games, GameStop is EB games in Canada is GameStop in America type of thing. I think they're owned by the same company. Um, but EB games, I've been going to literally that EB games since it was called electronics boutique. Um, and before I like even had like an allowance, (laughs) like I was really, really young. So it was really cool to kind of go back there and be there for like a, a, like a big event and the manager or the owner or whoever he was came out and thanked us and stuff like that. And it was just a really cool night, honestly. Um, just a cool experience. Um, being in the mall after close too was kind of interesting too. There was like some guards look at, kind of some guards walking around looking at us, but then eventually like a guard was assigned to our uh, area, you know, to help because of social distancing and stuff like that here. Um, you know, just to make sure no one gets rowdy or anything, but, um, yeah, it was really cool. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, that was really good. And uh, I have uh, a similar, but not in an, not in not in store due to limited availability uh, and whatever. But I have a PS5 also coming. 
it'll be shipped out on launch day. I'm sure it'll come a week late. Um, or what, however long it takes to ship, but I have a, a launch day console on the books anyway for both of these things. So yeah, I mean, not to like get, again, get into story time, but, uh, super, super psyched. The biggest thing, the biggest thing that I want is like you were saying, the SSD tech, the SSD tech and both of these things is freaking crazy, super fast. Uh, even the Microsoft, the, like the Xbox, you have to buy like a special like memory card thing. You can't just expand it with expandable storage. If for Series X games, to be fair, yes, you can use USB expandable storage for Xbox One games, yes. Um, and then there's expandable storage specific, like there's specific expandable storage specific. I think it's NVMe SSDs for the PlayStation 5. Uh, to be totally blunt, by the time these consoles fill up, I'm probably just going to be streaming games. Uh, I, my plan to be streaming online games because if they're online and like the internet dies, I can't play them anyway. Short of Call of Duty, like you need the reaction time and I'm bad at it, so I don't need to be worse. But the asset, like the number one thing that's wrong with the consoles today, and to be totally honest, the Xbox One, I have a launch day one and it, it runs great still. But the PS4, my PS4 is so copiously slow. It is incredibly slow. Like click something, wait. Wait, wait, like it's literally that slow sometimes running a game, try to try to open up the menu, whole game starts freezing, starts freaking out. I've had the, the OS crash me a couple times. Yes, I could wipe the console and do that. Maybe that would help it. But just like that, I'm done with the console, right? Done, ready for an upgrade. So I'm super excited to see these, these SSDs. And we're entering the era of computing in which literally you click a button and it's in your lap, basically. It's like, oh, oh well, there it is. No more loading screens. And that's exactly what they were promising on. I don't know if you remember this. This is weird. It's a weird little reference. Do you remember the game Haze on PS3? So I used to watch Elect Play. My inner geek is coming out right now. I used to watch Elect Play on G4 Tech TV, the Canadian version of it. And... um. Elect Play, which is Electric Playground, interviewed the people. I believe it was Elect Play. Um, they went and they interviewed the people that made Haze, which is like a game that was supposed to be really good and then ended up not being so good on PS3. They promised no loading screens. That was back in the PS3. And let me tell you, even though the P- the loading screens were masked up, there was there was definitely some loading. It was a PS3. Let's be serious. Definitely some loading. This is actually the time in which like we're getting to the point where like loading screens are going to become like virtually nothing or based on the network. Like maybe the network is going to be the slow part now, right? The network might be too slow. Yep. So we're reaching that point. So I am, I mean, I'm sure I'll report this report back on this. uh, Once I, once I actually dive into these consoles, I don't have them hooked up yet, but um, once I actually dive into these consoles, I'm sure I'll be like chatting about it in my weekly pain point. Cause I'll just want to talk about it <laughs> rather than talk. You should. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to, I'm a big tech enthusiast, obviously. So I gotta have everything launch day, and that's uh, that's that's the way it is. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm excited to hear more about it. I'm I'm not a launch day guy for consoles. Like I'll wait a year usually, but uh, I like to hear Matt's opinions on the launch day. I just I, I lived through Matt vicariously through the tech. Okay, they, well there you go. Especially the consoles. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, short go. of right. short of phones, I don't really get phones launch day too much. But um, yeah, because phones are like I have to rely on it, and I don't want to like. But uh, I mean, same with a computer. You, I wouldn't get a computer launch day either. Like who knows? Like a like a Mac, for instance. The the, the Macs that we were talking about. I'm not getting a like. Oh. I, if if I was planning on buying a MacBook, I wouldn't get a launch day. Ever since that, that, I'm going to tell you right now. Ever since that keyboard incident. Exactly. Like, done. But now forever, yeah. would never be a launch day Mac person unless it was something totally no. crazy. Or they're like, this is a gaming Mac, and even then, I'm a Microsoft guy, so I'd be like, I don't know about this dude. No. I'd feel a little weird. Yeah. 
But but yeah, um, but, uh, not 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 to yeah. hype myself up, but hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so other than that, I think we're ready to spin up the old outro. Ready, Matt? Yes, sir. Sorry, I'm itching my eyeball. I was hoping you were going to cover me while I was itching my eye there, but... Nope. Uh, you son of a bitch. So anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, uh, and many thanks to our $3 tier patrons. And I actually want to mention something. Uh, Mike and I are not officially announcing anything or anything like that, but we're looking at adding some actual Patreon content. We've discussed it. We have a bit of a content plan in place. So keep, you know, stay tuned to these episodes moving forward. Of course, we'll announce it on the show. We're not just going to announce it into the, like, into our TikTok or something. <laughs> We're going to announce it on the show, but we do have some uh, content planned for Patreon. It'll probably be an, uh, another uh, audio show or a version of this show or like a mini show or something like that. Uh, I, I just don't want to give out full details right now, so I'm trying to trying to throw you off the trail, but it will be something audio based. Uh, at least that's what we have planned and we may, may try it out. Maybe it'll be bad and we will never do it, but uh, like stay tuned to these episodes because we do have something planned for our patrons. Uh, but yeah, remember we're on that Patreon. That's patreon.com slash HTML, all the things. Check out the tiers and give that a go. And many thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Sean from Rabbit Works JavaScript. Find him at youtube.com slash rabbit works JavaScript. Garrick from Local Path Computing and Web Design via localpathcomputing.com. Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital via blueblackdigital.com. Chris from Self Made Web Designer via selfmadewebdesigner.com. Tim from The Web Hacker via thewebhacker.com. DL Ford from dl4.io. And a bit of a new one. Bib hashdash still, but from Nine Block Media via NineBlockMedia.com. So go check that out. Check all these guys out. And feel free to leave a comment or a review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will take us out. Sign us out, actually. This outro will sign us out. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.